This is the Red Sign Podcast, a deep dive into legacy wealth building through real estate. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Red Sign Podcast in Season 2. Welcome 2020. I'm Clay Winder with a very special guest, which might not have a voice as sexy as the guy that just introduced us, but in looks is definitely more sexy. Tanner Jones, introduce yourself, buddy. How you doing? Good to be here with you. Uh, like Clay said, my name is Tanner Jones. I am a new home construction uh, sales agent for Arrive Homes here in Utah County. I've been with Arrive for almost four years now. I actually started my real estate journey with Arrive coming out of college. I got a, a marketing degree from BYU and just had some family mentors and friends convince me to, to take a journey into the real estate world. It was completely new to me, and so I, I blindly jumped in, and it's been quite the ride for the past four years, and just amazing. It's been a big ride for you. I will boast for you. Tanner started off as a marketing degree business guy, uh, but quickly turned into quite the real estate guru, and that's why I want you on here, my friend. In, in four quick years, you've become, you've become uh, quite successful, not just in real estate sales, but real estate uh, in general, in both investings and the main topic that I wanted to get you in here and pepper pepper you with questions is you just self-built your own home. You were your own general contractor. You work with the builder. I'm sure you learned a lot there, uh, but you uh, took on the, the daunting task that everyone thinks they want to do, <laughs> but maybe they shouldn't, and that is they self-built your home. Now, first, the laws in Utah. You can build your own home. Anybody can. You do not need to have your general contractor's license to build your own home. You do, however, need a license to build other people's homes. So it's totally legal. Anybody can say, hey, as long as I you know, do my permit, meet code, go through the process, you can build your own home. So talk to us about that first. Why did you decide to do that? Um, money, money, money? Yes, I guess you could say that. And just for the experience, uh, I've always wanted to... I've just always been one that loves to learn, loves to take opportunities and, and, and learn from them. And so when this opportunity kind of presented itself, it was, it was easy for me to say, yeah, that's something I'd love to take on. I'd love to learn that aspect of real estate. And, and that's just kind of how I've approached everything in life is just when an opportunity presents itself and you can learn and grow from it, jump in with two feet and, and figure it out while you go. Yeah, but that's a big project to take on. You <laughs> don't have your general, license, your general contractor's license, right? No. Okay, so you do meet this definition of yes. the homeowner that built his own home. Even though you're rounded a little bit, you, you have no prior construction experience, right? None. Degrees in marketing. Marketing, in, yeah. <laughs> in construction management or anything like that. Um, but you're around it. You're mm-hmm. Obviously, you're, you've got family that are in, in construction and in building, and you, work, you, you sell real estate for a builder. Um, so you made that decision because you want to learn, you want to save a buck. Uh, talk to us about the experience. First of all, I understand you, you've, the lot wasn't too challenging. You found the lot. It was really, let's pick up the story on, you own this lot. You decide, okay, I'm not going to hire a builder. I'm going to go tackle it myself. Uh, just walk us through real quick some of those first initial decisions that gave you the confidence to continue on and self-build it. Well, so I, we, once I had the lot, I kind of just, knew that I needed a house to build. So I went and talked to an architect uh, and and he was amazing to work with. It's Justin Curtis. And he drew the plans for me and got everything ready to go. 
my wife and I would go and, and meet with him and make minor tweaks and, and decisions here and there. Uh, in hindsight, we would have definitely gotten a designer involved early in the process to just kind of help us, but uh, we didn't know, so we just jumped in. And, and We're uh, big fans of designers on this podcast. Yes. That's one of the biggest blunders with our custom world is people think they're, they are a designer and then quickly realize that that is a huge part of building the home. So yes. you had Curtis Design do the do the design, but you guys or do the architecture, but you guys also did the designing yourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, we we took a floor plan we liked, and he kind of gave us some suggestions and modifications, and we changed a few things. But at the end of the day, it was it was us just going about it the best we could, and and so that process was pretty easy. Um, How was getting financing as an owner build? Um, so. It did, was, did you get financing, or did you pay cash for it all? Uh, so we we self financed it, and then rolled it, did a, a essentially a cash out refinance at the end. So well, then I'll just I'll just put in a quick asterisk here for those of you considering doing this. If you go get financing from a bank, usually they do require a little more down payment if you're an owner bill. It's typically about thirty to thirty five percent. Yeah, thank you. Yep, thirty thirty five percent. Whereas typically you can get away with a new construction loan with. 20%, sometimes even lower. Yeah, if you're with a builder, I mean, typically they just have a, a small percentage. Yeah, if the builder carries yeah. the financing, then you're just a deposit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so keep going. Yeah, so so we got the plans back from, from the city and, or from the architect, sorry, and knew we had to get to the city, and, and that's where things, I guess, I started learning a lot. I didn't realize you had to get a special packet from your HVAC contractor with gas runs and and different calculations of heat loss and everything and you need trust drawing specifications so i i quickly learned that i had to send those plans oh, out engineer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, yeah in addition to the engineer i mean the architect took care of that side for me but i didn't know i needed all these calculations and different things from all these subcontractors so we got those oh, um the manual j and d. manual j yep yeah. so your manual D, your manual J. Yep. It, so I, I learned that quickly and then sent it off to the city. And uh, we built up in Elk Ridge, which is near Salem. And they were really easy to work with. Uh, in fact, we didn't have to do any corrections, anything like that. So Ooh, that's rare. Yeah, it was uh, for better or for worse. Uh, it went through very smoothly and we got our plans back. And, and in the meantime, I had been reaching out to a few connections I had that, uh, you know, Obviously, I knew the first steps were digging a hole. Um, well, let's jump into that. So you start compiling your sub list. Mm -hmm. So you, you knew the process of, well, I need someone to dig the hole. I need concrete to do a foundation. How did you go about compiling your team? You know, the, the, all the sub lists. I mean, most builders, a lot of their value is that they have great relationships with all the subs, and they even have a B string and a C string mm -hmm. in case other subs' bids come back too high or they're just too busy. Um, how did you go about building your team? A lot of it was just talking to people um, I have met in the industry over the past, you know, at this time, I guess it was about three years of just compiling lists from different people. Obviously, I work for a home builder and I had a few connections there, but, but I was really careful not to overburden any subs that we use. I didn't want to kind of sour that relationship. Right, because they're very systematic. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. And I think that's important to acknowledge is that even though you work with a home builder, they're a big home. Arrive Homes is huge, and their subs are just, you know, they just have their their orders, and they just go one to the next to the next to the next. So to derail that would not be 
fair to the company? Yeah, I probably, in, in all honesty, I probably only used about 25% of, of the subs that work for Arrive. Um, you know, in talking to them, making sure they could take on an additional project. And so, uh, I mean, we, we can talk about it later, but there were a few times where I was working with somebody and, and they would leave the job site for three weeks because they were too busy with the other jobs they had. And I always made sure that they knew that, you know, I come second, take yeah. care of what you need to. And, and so it was, it was interesting. Oh, that's, to, that's, yeah. a, that's a unique dynamic that other yeah. people don't have because everyone else would fight to be number one. Yeah. And so, so <laughs> I kind of had to put a disclaimer on everything. Like I'm number two, which kind of made the project take a little bit longer than we had hoped. But in the end, it was all. So you compiled pretty much your whole team by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And did you did you go through any process of vetting them? Did you did you? I mean, it sounds like you obviously word of mouth. You got referrals, but did you um, did you do multiple bids on different things, or did you um, go like check out old work? Like, is there any was there any weeding out process to really solidify your team? Uh, no, with with me having received them all word of mouth, I tried to get them from sources right, that I trust. Um, I probably could have on a few instances vetted them a little bit made sure I got the best quote but again I didn't want to offend anybody by having them call in a favor to somebody they work with or a well, friend and disclaimer you built essentially through through well COVID hit halfway through your build right yeah so you you had to deal with this not just supply shortage, but the labor shortage as well. Exactly. So we all kind of learned real quick that it doesn't matter if they're the cheapest anymore. It's if you can even get them. And that's and that's kind of what it came down to for me. It was just who will show up at my job when they say they show yeah, up. Yeah. Well, I mean, did, just did, did you have any? Did you have any just busts where you just got left hanging and had to switch subs halfway through the process? I never had to drop subs. Like I had mentioned earlier, I mean, there were times where I waited. You know, they said, "Oh, we'll show up on Monday," and then. Two you know, weeks later. Two, three, sometimes four weeks later, they show up. And that makes it hard because when you're doing an owner build, you're in charge of your schedule. And so you kind of try to, to fit people in, giving them enough time to say, hey, you know, we need you to start next Monday. They can get a crew ready, show up. So all of a sudden, when, when I'm expecting a crew there on Monday that'll take four or five days, and then they don't, then they take three, four weeks, then all of a sudden I'm pushing back the next guy, the, the drywallers and the painters and the countertops and the cabinets. And it's just, it's a huge domino effect. So I had the cabinet guys calling me every week. Hey, we don't have room in our shop anymore to keep your cabinets. When, when can we deliver? When can we deliver? And it's like, I'm stuck. Like the finished carpenters haven't showed up for three weeks and they keep saying they're going to show up on Monday. And so it was, it was this domino effect that. How, how long did so, it take you? What was from whole, from essentially permit to you moving in? Uh, Nine months, oh, that's not ten bad. months. That's not bad because we have yeah. custom jobs that hit that hit the year mark all the time and over. Yeah. I mean, depending, especially if you're huge, you know, yeah. you're even even longer than that. But that's not bad. Nine months isn't bad at all. No. When I mean, you're rattling off those delays, I expect <laughs> you to say like a year, but that's yeah. not. That's well, we were hoping my wife was pregnant during the build, so we were hoping to get in before oh, the baby was born, but <laughs> we didn't quite hit it. But that's that's, that's okay. So when you guys were all done, well, I guess let me back up. Any issues with, like, city inspections? Like, are, did you get blindsided by any of those, or did you feel like your contractors already knew the code well enough that you didn't have, you didn't have city inspectors hit you hard on, 
you know, straps or whatever. You I, know. I, I mean, honestly, our city inspections were so smooth. Um, we had an amazing framing crew. I was going to say, what do you contribute that to? Because that's my fear with when, for me, for example, if I said I'm going to go owner build, my biggest fear is would I, would I actually be building within code? Because at, th at this point, I don't know, it, you know, I don't know what the codes are. I, I would, I would really rely on the subs. Well, and it's make hard. Make sure that the framers frame it right, mm -hmm. the nailing right, do the straps right, you know, and then insulation, make sure it's insulated right. And then of course, all things with four way that it's done code because I don't know what those codes are I would really rely on the subs what was your experience did the subs just do good and you guys had pretty smooth sailing yeah I mean uh, that's where I feel like we got really lucky is we had a very very I mean all of our subs were just incredible um, there were a few times with like our framers we only had two f two framers so it took like forever to frame two guys two framed our whole guys. house well, so, three, because I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I got pretty good with the nail gun and, and tape measure. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, it was interesting. When we got the four-way list back, there were, you know, a few items, and I texted it over to the framers, and he, I mean, literally our framer showed up that day, which oh, yeah, is incredible. Awesome. And, he, and he was like, well, you know, I see this item on it. Um, can I call the inspector? I'm a little bit confused because the code says this. But he's asking for this, so I just want some clarification on what he's looking for as far as why he called it out that way, which to me, I'm like, that was when I was like, wow, we got so lucky with framers. Like, how does he know code? Like, what is he? And so that was... So aha number one, your team matters. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, for sure. The, these, these subs matter for sure. And that's where, for me, you know, where I, I wasn't so price conscious on getting four bids, picking the cheapest... I feel like we assembled a, a very quality crew that, and that paid off in the end. Besides the, besides essentially not having a general contractor, you know, a builder fee or cost associated with the oversight and supervision by a, another general contractor, where do you feel you made the most savings? I think. I it's, mean, if you're framing your own house, was there savings in framing? Was there savings in other sweat equity components that you felt you may have? Saved a little more? Um, I guess that's hard to compare to because obviously with a home builder or a custom build, there's there's margin in everything. Right. And so where, where I was going direct to the source and I was calling the plumbing manufacturer buying, you know, wholesale tubs and, so and fixtures. Um, light fixtures, I know we, we saved a bunch. Um, yeah, just I think it just is were a little any, bit were that there any adds up. that you personally did? Um, I mean, no. I, I, I was a, one thing I will, will say about owner build is you have to be incredibly um, involved in it. I, I thought, you know, maybe I could manage it from afar. We lived. 45 minutes away from oh, where we were building. And I ended up being there pretty much all day, every day. Um, I worked in about 15 minutes away from the house. And so I'd, I'd go up before work, check things out inside. pretty much every day. And, yeah. and then weekends I spent, uh, I have OCD when it comes to this stuff. So I'd spend the weekends with my shop vac, you know, vacuuming out hey, the cracks too. and crannies. And I, was, I, I was the cleaner on my house just because I wanted a clean construction site. And so, yeah, for me, I mean, I just spent so much time throwing things away, picking up scrap, 
wood and things. A general contractor usually does that or even has their interns, you know, the Uh college guys in the construction management degree that are interning be just cleaners. They're just at the job site cleaning because the subs don't often, especially, well, I won't name names, but there's a lot of subs that they don't. They're there to just crank out their job and move on. And and, and, And I told them, you know, I'm here to help. I'm here to clean. I try to bring donuts and, and food at least once a week to these guys just so they felt the appreciation and, and maybe did a little bit of a better job. But I just told them, look, I'm here to clean, and I'd, I'd show up in, in work clothes and sweep up after them as they're working. And I, th- I think it made a, a difference in, you know, them wanting to be there and willing to hopefully do a better job. Yeah, so. for sure. So let me ask you the big question. This is the big pinnacle question. Uh, you obviously saved on a builder fee, which on a, on a custom home is anywhere from, gosh, 13, 14% up to even as high as 20% is usually what a lot of custom builders will take. You saved that fee. Was it worth it? In hindsight, you just spent a year with probably more than a part-time job and almost a full-time <laughs> job of providing oversight, but was it worth it? I mean, I'd do it again, so so yes. Okay. Um, for me, I actually really enjoyed it. It was really fun to learn the process. Uh, hopefully I can, you know, I'd love to eventually get my general contractor's license, I think, and build a few homes a year as spec homes or rentals. And so, and I didn't make that decision till after I built this. So I think it was, it was eye-opening for me how complex it is to build a house and how many hands you have on this product. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I loved it. I would. So what uh, what tips would you give somebody in terms of avoiding being blindsided? What were like? What's the best couple of tips you could share if somebody says, "Hey, I'm going to do it"? Just communicate, communicate, communicate with everybody. I I would be texting your subs every day. Like morning roll call. Yeah, every and and not yes. With the disclaimer that you're not being overbearing and just, are you there yet? Text me when you get there. Text me when you leave. Text me when you're on lunch. But, hey, how are things looking today? You know, what can we expect? Give me a realistic time frame. I, and, and just communicate that with the next sub involved and, and just keep people informed on, on where you're at. Subs really appreciate just knowing when you're going to be there or when they need to be there, when mm-hmm. the next guy's coming, you don't want three subs on top of each other, one showing up when the other guy's not done waiting for them to be done, saying, hey, hurry up. Like, why did why would he have me here already if, if the other guy's not done? And so just just communicating, being on top of things, and, and just expect for things to come up that you weren't expecting. I like it. Let's wrap up with this. I... Uh, I mentioned before, this podcast is very heavily focused on building wealth through real estate, mm-hmm. through investment properties. You own a couple of investment properties uh, already, right? You own a, a couple of townhomes or a couple of condos, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so I have I have about eight townhomes that I've up been in. I'm, I'm up to eight. And nice. So. Okay, so what's next? 2022 is here. We get asked, you're a realtor, you're in the business. You probably get asked all the time like I do. Would you buy in 2022? And if so, what? In terms of investments, are there good investments and do you have goals for 2022? Declare it. This is the (laughs) big wide universe. We have 100 million listeners to this. So whatever you say, they're all going to hold you accountable to it. 
I, I think we're still in a buying market. I'm personally buying myself. Um, I have several condos under contract, a, actually a single-family home in Springville under contract. New construction? New construction. Existing? So everything oh, cool. every everything I've bought in my portfolio has all been yeah, new, construction. new construction. Guy. I believe in it. I love to see the equity grow well, you know, while it's, while it's being built. Um, in this market, that's you know, been good to me. Yeah, I've only been in the business four years, so that's all I knew. Um, I've invested in an apartment complex up in in uh, Sugar House that's about to start construction. So we should be done maybe towards the end of the year, if not 2023. And then, other than that, I just I I have um, I'm actually invested in a couple of spec homes that are just starting construction. So that's kind of fun. But yeah, I, I'm a big believer in the market right now. I, interest rates will probably go up, but I, I still think you're seeing a huge influx of, of buyers into, into Prices Utah. Are. Prices are still going up. People are still moving here. It's a great place to live and people want to be here. And I think that's the biggest thing to a, a healthy market. I will market. tell you, one of my biggest regrets is involved tanner is involved in it <laughs> and that is right when COVID hit you remember like march 11th 2020 and everyone was like freaking out because uh, uh not donovan rudy gobert just got it and like it was that week when i was like oh my gosh the pandemic is here the shift is about to happen i had a ton of rentals uh under construction and i panicked just like a lot of people did, so I'm being vulnerable here, but I let one of them go. It was a townhome with Arrive that I was going to buy as a rental property. And I called up Tanner, and I said, Tanner, I don't think I'm going to buy this one. I just have too many other things, and if, I mean, if everything's going to get pulled back from, the, from this pandemic, I need to be really cautious on what I actually perform on with my cash. And sorry, but the townhome doesn't, doesn't cut that list. Tanner didn't tell me this for a little while, but what <laughs> happened is he didn't cancel it. He put his name on the townhome, right? Town, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you put your name on that townhome, and one year later, guess who just made $100,000 in equity on that townhome? Tanner Jones did. It's one of my biggest... What was I thinking? Because the prices, as we all know, went up 28.3% since COVID hit, and now Tanner's sitting on hundred grand on that townhome, and that should have been mine, but I chickened out because of the pandemic. So congratulations to you. I hey, tried I to convince you to stay in. <laughs> was a bad one but listen it's all hindsight's 20 it's all part of the journey it's all part of the journey and and we're doing just fine and i'm back buying you're back buying and we'll, we'll continue to invest in in utah real estate well thank you any parting what any parting words i just go have fun i think that's what it's all about is just enjoy the journey and whatever your your journey is find joy in it and and make the most of it that's beautiful. Thank you, dude. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having Everybody, me. Everybody, you can subscribe. Tanner Jones, you can reach out to him anytime. Uh, hit us up, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Happy to help. Thank you. You've been listening to the Red Sign Podcast, a deep dive into legacy wealth building through real estate. See you next time.